With free agency a little less than three weeks away, Bears Over Beers host Jeff Burkus joins me to host the first annual Bearskers on this episode of Bear With Me. Hello and welcome everybody to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, where traditionally we would review the Bears game, preview the upcoming game, and then take a tour around the NFL. But, of course, there's no Bears games anymore because it's the offseason, so we'll pretty much just talk about whatever we want. And speaking of, on this episode, like I said in the opener, Bears Over Beers host Jeff Burkis will join me via Skype to host the first annual Bearskers. And without further ado... Let's bring him on. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Hey, Robert, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Heck yeah, so great to have you. So I don't know if my microphone will pick this up, but I have my beer right next to me <laughs> in honor of Bears Over Beers. I thought you guys had a phenomenal first episode. What'd you think? Oh, thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah, good launch. Uh, EJ brought a lot of knowledge about the draft. Uh, focus on inside linebackers. If you haven't checked it out yet, make sure you... Give it a download, give it a listen, and uh, more good stuff coming to you soon. Heck yeah, it's great stuff. And I'm glad you could join me so that we could host our first annual Bearskers, which for those of you who don't know, Jeff and I had the idea of taking this week and going through effectively a big reward show of the Bears, an award show, so to speak. So think like kind of the Oscars, but, you know, with a lot less press. Yeah, and I, I just want to say I, I don't have... Uh, a tux with tails or anything like that. But what I do have in honor of your 17th episode is I have a number 17 Chicago bears, Anthony Miller Jersey that I am wearing right now, uh, which I think oh, looks yeah. better than any tux you could ever rent. I think so. Not to mention that kid is a phenomenal player and there's a very good chance we'll touch on him later this episode. Don't you think? I think he's probably nominated for an award. Perfect. Because I have him also nominated for an award, by the way, just, Ever, for everybody listening, uh, Jeff and I have not discussed who we have nominated for each category. So you will be hearing that discussion live as we attempt to discern who's going to get each of the 15 awards. We'll start off with the big fish, the full chalupa, as they say, the MVB, the most valuable bear. Who you got, Jeff? Oh, you're going to start with me. I figured I was going to let you make the the Khalil Mack argument and I was going to uh, nominate Eddie Jackson. Um, good one. Eddie Jackson, first team all pro. I think he didn't get the defensive uh, player of the year votes that Mac got, but I think he deserves some. He took the next step into elite status. And I think the great thing about having a, an elite free safety like Eddie Jackson is that he made his corners better. Uh, Prince Mukamura and Kyle Fuller both had their best years. Uh, they were able to be aggressive because they knew that Eddie was behind him. Uh, I, I I just think that his step forward in this defense uh, was just as impactful as Max, and I wanted to make the argument to to put him up there as the most valuable bear for this year. It was otherworldly what Jackson was able to do, and it's funny you mentioned Mac because believe it or not, I didn't actually pick him. I oh. I I picked Akeem Hicks because Akeem Hicks was all season long he tore it up on the defensive line. Whether it was a run play or a pass play, he was there. I remember seeing, as I've started watching the tape back over this last season, there's a week one play. We talk about how often Mac gets triple blocked. There's a play that I saw where Akeem Hicks takes on a triple block as well and ends up with the same kind of sack. 
Hicks, because he's an interior defensive lineman, at least what I have seen, he's never going to get that press that an outside rusher like Khalil Mack is going to get. He's not getting the forced fumbles that somebody like Mack is able to get, partially because of his responsibilities in the run. But I know this team looks to Hicks as their heart and soul. I think that that's really important. It's, again, not to suggest that Mack isn't a phenomenal and amazing player, but Hicks's veterancy is a bear, and the way that he was able to, because one of my favorite plays this year, uh, just to go over it, was, do you remember uh, in that Miami game, third and goal, I believe, in overtime, Osweiler hands it off to Kenyon Drake, and who do you think was in the gap to force a fumble to give the Bears a chance? You bet it was guess Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks. It was, it was 100% by himself, too. He sheds his block, causes a fumble, and keeps the Bears alive effectively in that horrible like post-buy heat game. I don't know. That's who I've got. But I, I also love, really respect Jackson. What do you have I, to say? I love Akeem Hicks. I mean, uh, you're never going to get an argument from me. I, I have this theory that he actually started the turnaround. Uh, for this Bears franchise. Uh, he signed a, a nice deal coming out of New England, I believe. And uh, it was more of a short deal, see what you got. And he really broke out. And he was the first free agent signing that really did that uh, in, in a really changed the, the the mindset of what we could do on this defense in Chicago. And I think if if Ryan Pace doesn't hit on that uh, choice, you know, the, the defense isn't going to develop like it has. And I, I love the guy. He looks like a bear. He, uh, you know, he, he was a, a warrior. He's just played uh, a huge percentage of the, of the defensive snaps over the last couple of years. And so I, you know, hey, man, I'm I, Eddie's my guy, but I'm, I'm happy if we give it to, to Hicks as well. I, you know what, we'll call it a tie because I agree. I, I personally agree that I think Jackson deserves tons and tons of credit. If you didn't watch our Philadelphia playoff game, you might not have noticed how important he is to the defense, but I don't think Philly's able to do a lot of what they did if Jackson's back there. I think both these guys are really deserving. Yeah, good point. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's give them both, uh, let's give them both the bear skirts for me. Okay, so this next one, uh, we're gonna it's best game, so it's basically okay. like best best picture, right? So this is gonna mm -hmm. be the the Bears movie that you're gonna watch most in the off season. Mm -hmm. uh, so who do you have as your nominee for the best picture? The best I game? have the Bears playing Week 15 Green Bay. The chips were on the table. The NFC North crown was on the line, and despite a third-quarter rally by the Green Bay Packers, the Bears were able to put their foot on their throat and stamp it out, not only with young Mitchell Trubisky throwing a dart to Trey Burton to take a strong lead, but also Leonard Floyd, first-round pick of oh so many years ago, uh, picking up that critical sack at the end and an Eddie Jackson interception. To me, it had all of the Bears-Packers stuff that I've been dying to see for the last, gosh, five years, probably. Yeah, I think that's the right answer. But I, I did just want to write down and mention a couple of the other games that have to at least be mentioned in this conversation, mm -hmm. right? So the the blowout with the six touchdowns from Trubisky against the Bucks That was awesome. That, that was just fun for a different kind of reason. It was just everything was working. That kind of game is just fun to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, the Sunday night game against the Rams really felt like that was the official notice that the bears were a legitimate oh, yeah. team and they were in competition, uh, you know, for, for some serious, uh, postseason play. 
And then I also uh, liked the Vikings game that got flexed into Sunday night where Kirk Cousins. Yeah, the one where Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah. He famously said that it was because, you know, it's not because they want to watch Chicago. It's because they want to watch the Vikings. And uh, that's uh, that's unfortunate for Kirk to have that. I don't think he ended up correct on that one. No, I don't. Not at all. But uh, what a thing to get recorded. Um and uh, re- put on replay. So mm-hmm. uh, the Packers is the right right answer, of course. You know, having it be a meaningful game, having it knock them out, essentially, um, having it clinch the division for us, having Rodgers go down um, in flames from Leonard Floyd's sack. So, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's the best game. But th- there are some good ones in that highlight reel. Yep. Next, we'll move on to most iconic play. So who do you, what are you thinking? Which play sticks out to you on this season? Well, I'm a former lineman. I played all of my football snaps on the yeah, line. You did. And so for me, uh, Santa's sleigh, the Bradley Soul okay. uh, touchdown where there were 10 linemen and Trubisky on the field, uh, that that thing is just a work of art. That's something that I would draw up and, uh, you know, study hall, uh, mm-hmm. just dreaming about all the putting all the big guys on the field <laughs> at the same time. And, and it worked. And uh, Bradley Soul had a nice little touchdown dance afterwards. And to me, here's why I think it's the most iconic play. Um, Nagy was able to engage defensive players. He was able mm-hmm. to be creative. He was able to uh, keep guys that aren't normally in the in the full flow of the game uh, engaged in the, in the game. It's something that he's done all year, and I just think it was the most creative thing that I've seen on a football field in a really long time in terms of just a personnel grouping and uh, keeping guys uh, engaged. And I just love what Nagy brought all year, but that play to me really just uh, set in, in stone what, what he's all about. Absolutely. I loved the way that Nagy was able to effectively tap depth guys on the shoulder and say, hey, stay invested because I'm going to get you some points. Reminds me of when Nick Kwiatkowski, of all people, caught a two-point conversion much the same way. Exactly. My my play to move from offense back to defense, because after all, we are talking about the Chicago Bears. Uh, the play that I've got written down is Max pick six in week one. While the game didn't end properly there was this aura of when we traded for mac of everybody leaning in it was mac's literal first week on the team if i remember correctly and we didn't know what he would be able to do and the series before this he strip sacks um gosh that second round pick uh who was do you remember deshaun uh, kaiser that's it deshaun kaiser and uh, then the next series after that, Roy Robertson Harris blows through the line of scrimmage, starts to tackle Kaiser. And as he floats the ball up, who else but the guy we just traded for and paid one hundred twenty million dollars catches the ball and runs it all the way back against our arch rivals. Obviously, I wish the game could have had a better ending, but that play was magic. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that I discounted it because the game did have such a sour ending. And I can't get that out of my head. The first half of that game was so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. and the second half was just absolutely heartbreaking because we were, we were, we were obviously the better team. The Chicago bears were the better team. Oh yeah. Uh, and they just couldn't finish it. And so I, I do have a little bit of a sour spot from that game. So, um, I don't know. What do you think? Who you, uh, you know, did, I did like, I, did I, I like you? giving it to soul. I like giving it to soul. Uh, Mac, 
gets enough credit all over the place, not to mention Nagy was such a story for this offseason that I think crediting one of his more creative plays, especially since it's Christmas-themed, and people just, the people love Christmas, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right, the next one that we have is uh, the best role player. So this is basically our supporting actor. Uh, mm-hmm. So for for me, I, I wanted to highlight someone who wasn't a starter, but I'm curious of who you have written down for okay. your nomination. Uh, so I wrote down Danny Trevathan. And now not a lot of guys are going to consider him a role player, but here's my thought. So Eddie Jackson, Prince Amukamura, Kyle Fuller, Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, uh, Eddie Goldman, plenty of these guys are getting paid absolutely massive money. Roquan Smith was a huge name. They all get press. That We probably wrote dozens of articles about all of these guys. And we never talked about the guy who was calling the defense, the guy who every time a tight end would flare straight up the seam, he'd pick him up and run with him. Roquan did all the blitzing and Danny Trevathan did all the covering and forced the ball to the outside to our all pro corner Kyle Fuller to our all pro safety Eddie Jackson. And in that regard, it's a little bit of a warping of the rules because he is a starter. But I think Danny Trevathan almost qualifies as the heaviest role player that we had this season. Okay, that's interesting. Well, here I give you two other nominees. The first one is Sherrick McManus. Oh, yeah. Core, core special teamer who was able to step in when Bryce Callahan went down. The other guy's Josh Bellamy. And uh, the reason why I want to bring up Bellamy is another core special teamer. The stats obviously aren't going to leap off the page. And man, mm-hmm. he took a beating uh, from Chicago Bears fans when he was thrust yep. into a role that he's just not really qualified for when we just didn't have the receiver talent. But this guy, uh, everybody loves him on the team. He's a leader, uh, even though he's, you know, wide receiver five, wide receiver six. And so I, I really respect that. And when I interviewed Anthony Miller uh, last month, the first guy that he mentioned that helped him out when he got to Chicago was Josh Bellamy. And those kind of glue guys, those kind of leaders um, are, the, are the type of guys that you want on your team. They may not get all the press. Nobody's going to be wearing their jerseys in the stands. But those are the type of guys that make – take a team from good to great and uh so i wanted to recognize bellamy for this award absolutely i'm down to pick bellamy if you are he made a bunch of big plays so i love mcmanus i might as well just speak his praises for a second the way he was willing to and so well did fill in for bryce callahan i think was nothing short of awesome uh in fact he did so well that we've got now too many bears fans that are thinking that bryce isn't that valuable but that's neither here nor there uh, Bellamy was able to down probably at least five punts at the one or two yard line. And he also had that phenomenal screen play or the fake screen, so to speak in Tampa Bay, where, uh, we faked it to Tariq Cohen and he caught it in the end zone. He, point is he made plays on offense and special teams. And with the glue stuff that you're talking about, I think he's worthy of the award. All right. It's awarded to him then. Perfect. Uh, so the next bearsker that we'll be giving out, it's our first negative bearsker of the day. So welcome to it. But I've got another one up here for worst play. Now there's a lot of potential here, but are you going to go there, with the obvious one? Is there a lot of potential? You know, there is, I've got a couple written down, but you All go right, ahead well, and lead let us me, off. Let me just take the obvious one. It's, mm-hmm. it's obviously the double doink. It has its own name in the lexicon. It you know, prevented the Bears from moving on in the playoffs. Uh, it 
led to a ridiculous Today Show appearance from a kicker who got a, I don't know what he got, a participation trophy or something. And he now got his walking papers and is going to be out the door. Uh, the double doink. That's the worst play. Okay, well, let me read off a couple of these. So none of these are going to win the award. But you tell me if any of these even measure up. So do you remember when Kyle Fuller had a ball hit him in the hands that would have beaten the Packers? I do remember that, yeah. Do you remember the subsequent 70-yard game-winning yak attack that happened a couple of plays later to seal the loss? Um, I've tried to put that out of my mind. Exactly. Do you remember Odell Beckham Jr. completely fooling the entire Bears squad or in that game, same game, Saquon Barkley uh, running all the way up on like what, third and 22 to effectively lead the, the Giants to their comeback? Yeah, those were bad. Yeah, there were there are a couple here and there. And then, of course, there are offensive plays like Chase Daniels throwing probably one of the worst pick sixes I feel like I've seen in a while uh, to. Oh, gosh. I cannot remember that Giants linebacker's name, uh, but he's the guy who caught two of them in that game. But yeah, uh, there were a couple of bad plays, but the double doink is the worst. Well, let's uh, let's just move on from that terrible play and let's move into yes. another negative category in worst game. This is the the you know the movie that you never want to see again. Nope. Um, so basically, the Bears had five losses. So any of these are fair game, I think. And you basically just kept hitting on the Giants game, so I'm curious if that's your pick. But um, what what stood out to you as the worst game? My pick is Week One uh, because I haven't yet been able been able to stomach the second half a second time. Uh, my my big reason for picking it is because to me the worst kind of movie is the movie that builds you up and gives you big expectations and then totally lets you down. And in the second half. Mitchell Trubisky went from looking like a potential star in the NFL to a complete bag of garbage inside of this game specifically. I want to clarify that that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Nagy went from looking like an offensive genius to smoke and mirrors. The defense went from looking like Titans to the same old Bears and the Packers won again. It was brutal. It was brutal. And that's why I picked it. Interesting. Um, you're probably right. I had a little bit of hope coming out of that week uh, in a weird way because I you could just tell that the Bears were the better team and they were going to get in condition and they were going to figure it out and Roquan was going to get on the field and he was going to you know be able to take away the stuff that uh, Nick the Quick was not able to cover. Um, <laughs> I, I chose the Dolphins game and I chose the Dolphins game because I was the most frustrated of the entire year watching that game. You know, losing to the Giants was terrible, but it was a backup quarterback, was on the road. Yeah, you know, we still should have won that game, but, you know, you kind of get get over it. That Dolphins game, there were so many opportunities to just shut that down. It just seemed unfair to be in the sun, that baking sun where the, where the Dolphins were in the shade. Like, it was just all these little things that I was just irrationally upset about, and I, I have not been able to go back to that game. That game still irritates me. That, that was a w very winnable game against a bad team. Uh, they just could not get out of there with a win, and that was just brutal. That's that's my worst game. Oh, yeah, to your point. I mean, Anthony Miller got missed downfield for what probably should have been an 80-yard touchdown pass. Uh, we had, what, Albert Wilson go off on us on about three catches that happened late in the game. I'm, I'm with you. The Heat sucked 
Uh, and it was hard to watch the Bears just completely fold, and every time they gave you hope, they ended up disappointing you. Mitch Trubisky, I believe, threw a red zone interception, as well as Jordan Howard fumbling on the goal line. Yeah. That one that one was hard to watch. What do you think? I'll give you picking power here. Um, you know, honestly, uh, I got I to gotta go. I got to stick with the Dolphins game. Let's do it. The, okay. the Dolphins game is the worst game of 2018. Great. <laughs> So I'm going to, I'll next uh, introduce this Newcomer of the Year award, and it's really important, Bears fans. We have disallowed Khalil Mack. We have disallowed him. He is the obvious choice. We are picking someone else. Jeff, who are you starting with? Right. I I could go a lot of different ways with this, Um, but for me, it's Allen Robinson. And he didn't have the statistical season that maybe some of us thought he might have, but he really did look like a number one wide receiver, particularly Mm -hmm. down the stretch, and gave, I think, a legitimacy to the organization to say that this is a real offense. You know, that uh, old quote from, is it Moose and Muhammad, who said, wide receivers go to die in Chicago? (laughs) Um, You know, it's just not true now. Uh, I mean, we had three incredible signings uh, to to help Trubisky, and and then, of course, the draft of Miller. They have four weapons uh, that are legitimate, playmakers uh in this in this young offense but the number one wide receiver one is alan robinson and he's here to stay he wants to be here i just i love the signing i was talking about it like all the way back last uh september when he went Mm -hmm. down um that he would probably shake free from jacksonville and i was uh, lobbying chicago in my own Twitterverse to to go after him, <laughs> and uh, he just hasn't disappointed. I think he's been everything we want, and he's going to have a huge year next year. Totally agree. I mean, I plan on doing a series later down the line that I've already titled to myself, Alan Robinson and the Art of the Big Play. There was nobody who ended up on the receiving end of more big, iconic plays, whether it's the Giants helmet catch, that phenomenal catch in uh, the wild card round. Like There are tons of these things all over the year where Alan Robinson, whether he was contested or wide open, made plays where nobody else could. But my newcomer of the year, because I wanted to stay in the spirit of rookies, was Roquan Smith. I didn't expect him to be this good this early. Watching back on the tape, I keep seeing these occasional rookie mistakes, but that doesn't change the fact that I see him weaving in and out of massive crowds of people to make tackles, blitzing correctly and effectively to get sacks and big hits on the quarterback, and covering better than a rookie should be able to, given the plethora of moves that the NFL will teach receivers. What do you think? Roquan's a great pick. I mean, he could have gone with either of the second rounders. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Trey yeah. Burton, uh, Taylor Gabriel. Uh, you know, they, those guys could have been mentioned as well. There were so uh, many good newcomers this year. Yeah, so many quality players. Uh, but yeah, I mean, highlighting Roquan because I mean that and the ceiling's so high on that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, highlighting him for this is is obviously a, a, a smart move too. If he gets to the point, I doubt he will, Bears fans, but if he gets to the point where he can engage linebackers like a like a Mike linebacker, he will very literally be able to do everything on the field. And the interception, what sticks out to me, uh, what really drove this uh, award home or this nomination home was that nobody made a bigger play, I think, in this season, given the stakes, than when Roquan picked off a pass that had very literally already hit Wendell Smallwood's hands in the wild card weekend. That shouldn't be an interception. Allowing that to get intercepted is a flaw in and of itself, 
on Smallwood's part, but credit to Roquan for flipping over his shoulder to take the ball away. That was the biggest, I think that was the turning point for our defense and gave us a chance to win the game. Uh, and I don't know, I really couldn't have asked more out of the rookie. Well, let's give it to him. Heck yeah. All right, let's let's go on to the next one. Biggest surprise. And I'm kind of curious to see what you did because we talked before the show and you said that you were going mm-hmm. with a disappointment, but have you changed your mind and maybe gone with a positive surprise? All right, what you got for me? I have Eddie Jackson because while I expected him to be good, I didn't expect him to be the best safety in the league. And I mean that with a straight face. Uh, I, I tried it as best as I can to be a straight shooter about where Bears players fall, and Eddie Jackson was Ed Reed-like. I mean, the way that he's able to identify that a play's happening, sometimes before the ball snapped, and just get to where he needs to be, pick off a pass and make a play, was otherworldly. And he dropped three or four. Uh, not to mention he got hurt. I think his tackling has massively improved. He snuffed out multiple screens. I mean, if you ask neutral fans, they'll mention Eddie Jackson as the best safety in the NFL. So it's crazy to think that the guy on our team, the team that was 3-13 and two years ago, won five games last year, has blue chip talent out of the fourth round. Well, we agree again. Uh, this is, Eddie Jackson was the guy that I had too, and I have to say that safeties are something that I've been somewhat obsessing over the last few years. Uh, basically, since Mike Brown, uh, his career ended prematurely, I've been on the on the hunt for for more safeties. And anybody that ever listens to me around draft time, I'm always advocating for more safeties. But uh, Eddie took a step that I just did not expect, and I thought he'd be better. Uh, than, than he was as a rookie, you know, fully recovered from that leg injury. But mm-hmm. he was uh, took such a huge leap, and becoming a first-team All-Pro is no joke. These are the types of things that start to matter when you talk about legacy, and he's starting his legacy already in year two, and it's just unbelievable how, how he was able to make that defense so much better, uh, best pass defense in the league, Eddie put Jackson. It th- put it this way. He is so good that I have now already started scrambling to try to figure out how the Bears are going to manage in terms of their cap situation, because in two years, we not only have to potentially extend Mitch Trubisky, we also have to extend Eddie Jackson, and he is going to be worth some money. Eddie Jackson is going to be the priority because they're going to just take the fifth-year option on Trubisky. So it really wouldn't surprise me at all. That he'll that's get the extension first. Exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. So next up, we've got another negative award. We've got the biggest disappointment. Jeff, what are you thinking? Well, I think the obvious one um, is Jordan Howard. You know, I love Jordan Howard. I uh, just think he's a really solid runner, maybe a little one-dimensional. Uh, he just did not seem to fit in this Nagy offense, particularly early on. Had a lot of struggles, a couple decent games late in the year. Uh, certainly there's some questions surrounding what his future is going to be like. But overall, you have to look at 2018 as a pretty big disappointment for Jordan Howard, so he gets my nomination. I unfortunately agree with you, and I say unfortunately because just like we were talking about before the show came on live, I we love Jordan Howard. I mean, everybody loves Jordan Howard, and the service that he's provided to this Bears team that has been so bad for so long has been nothing short of remarkable and exceptional. With that said, when we were bringing in Nagy, this concept of a spread offense— All I could think about, I don't know what you were thinking about, was that that opened up room for Jordan Howard to exploit the running lanes that he never got last year or the year before. That didn't happen. 
I mean, not only would he pick the wrong hole fairly often, but he would go down to a single tackler or he would never get up to full speed. A whole lot of plays that could have gone better didn't. And I don't know. I can't help but leave disappointed on a team full of positive surprises. There was one that kind of stuck out. Yeah, I think I had a fairly decent uh, prediction of a lot of what the offense was going to look like in terms of spreading the ball around. No one was going to dominate in in terms of targets. I actually got the Tariq Cohen target uh, share uh, exactly right uh, as a preseason prediction, which is pretty crazy. Um, But I was so wrong about Jordan Howard. I thought he was going to just stack up yards because of what you said, spreading the ball out and him having uh, fewer eight-man boxes to worry about. he He just never got it going. Speaking of Tariq Cohen, before we move on to the next award, I do want to point out that I don't think that I've ever seen somebody more unstoppable on a wheel route. I'm curious to see what the Bears do with him going forward. I know I've heard some chatter about him potentially not moving to wide receiver, but being used more in a Tariq Hill or whoa, uh, Tyreek Hill kind of role. But I he had a phenomenal season this year, worth mentioning in an award show. I think you're right because I don't know that we're gonna give him an award particularly i was actually going to see if we could give an offensive mvp because i wanted to give him that uh at least nominate him for that so if we could just do an impromptu award for you know offensive what MVP. i like it let's give Tariq cohen the bearsker for offensive mvp done done all right great well that's that makes me happy um so the next one i have and, and these are a couple that you came up with in terms of the category but mm-hmm. uh, so i'm really curious what you have here but the smallest story from the preseason that ended up mattering a lot. So I picked a small story midseason because a lot of people blew it off after he immediately came back and hit a couple of kicks. But I'm going to pick the Parky hates Soldier Field story. Uh, the the one about him not traveling due to quote unquote traffic. Uh, I I think it ended up playing a big role. As dumb as I know it sounds, Parky's dislike for soldier field seemed apparent not only if we really take a look at it now that he's not a bear anymore he never seemed to like soldier field he didn't literally didn't want to practice there and of course the double doink happened at soldier field i don't know i i think it ended up mattering oh it certainly ended up mattering i um it's a it's a good one here's here's mine uh what you got from the preseason, when the, the final rosters came out, we cut Craven LeBlanc and we kept Ooh. Marcus Cooper. And when we were doing some preseason predictions, I didn't get into the whole 53 prediction. Uh, but one of the things that I said was I I would hope that we keep uh, LeBlanc and cut Cooper. And we didn't. And that surprised me a little bit. Didn't get a lot of press. But it certainly hurt us because, one, obviously Cooper didn't do anything um, and was eventually cut and I think resigned for less and maybe he's cut now. I actually don't know his current status. Um, and LeBlanc came back to hurt us in the playoff game. Yeah, he did. He did. He had a great game. He had a great game. And he was a developmental corner, the type of guy that you want to keep around and develop. Um, I know we had uh, Tolliver. I like that kid too. But, you know, having multiple guys in the – you know, in the pipeline for developing at cornerbacks, a good thing. I think that was a small story that ended up mattering a lot. I prefer that, frankly, to while, while Parky's the easy target to just hit with a hammer. I think LeBlanc was a bigger deal. He he was very literally on our team uh, and right. now he's not. And he's starting for somebody else. Next award coming up is the biggest storyline that ended up not mattering. Do you have any of these on mind? 
So I, you know, I had a hard time coming up with this, but I did think of one bit of chatter from a national writer, and I'm not going to name him, uh, but those of you that follow Bear stuff pretty regularly know this one particular national writer seems to always be misinformed about the Chicago Bears. Uh, but preseason chatter was that Chase Daniel was actually a better fit to run this offense than Mitchell Trubisky was. And it got a little bit of buzz, and of course a lot of Bear fans thought that was just ridiculous. There's a few Bears fans that took that seriously for some weird reason. But I think we really saw uh, pretty clearly the development of Mitchell Trubisky over this year. And when Chase Daniel did get a chance to to participate in the games, he looked like a backup. Especially against his uh, the Giants start, which I only bring up because he had the full seven days rest. He actually looked like a pretty good offensive operator against the Lions, but the Giants, he was a little disappointing. I'm with you. I definitely looked like a backup. Now, I know I came up with the category, so it's kind of cheating. But the storyline that I wanted to mention, uh, while Roquan Smith's holdout is a solid option, I'm going to go with the utter commotion that happened over Nagy choosing to rest his starters for preseason week three. Because a lot of Bears fans lost their minds over the idea that our young quarterback in the offense wouldn't get any reps, especially after what happened in week one with the Packers. A whole lot of people blamed this very specific decision. But I do end up thinking that when you looked at the year in total, we still weren't quite ready by week 17, 18. Like we were getting there, but we weren't quite ready yet. I think this was going to be the developmental year that a lot of people really, they said so way before the season started. But of course, then the season started, we got Mac and expectations changed. But I still think that the offense needed a year, not one preseason game. Yeah, that's a really good one. I'll give that to you. I kind of forgot about that, uh, but that now that you mention it, people were kind of losing their minds over that, and it was just so silly because preseason is just about getting your guys healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to roll out any real offense in the preseason, or if you do, you're kind of an idiot. So um, <laughs> that that's a good that's a good call. I, I think that we'll give that award to that, and and you know let that be a lesson to all of us that <laughs> preseason just worry about getting out of them healthy. Uh, that's that's all you need to worry about with, with the preseason. Look at that. Um, it not mattered so much that you even agreed yes. and forgot it happened. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. We got a little a couple of futures awards uh, that we're going to give out. Uh, the first one of those is uh, player most likely to break a Bears record in 2019. Who you got for that? I've got Mitchell Trubisky, and that's actually because the passing yards in a season record shouldn't be that hard to break. Uh, Given the state of the league and how much the league loves to pass, I personally think that as long as Mitchell Trubisky can stay healthy for 16 games, he should be able to pass the mark that is currently set. I've got him personally at a 4,000-yard season. I don't actually see him getting much more than that, like almost 4,000, I don't know, like 52-ish yards if you wanted a specific total guess number. But that would break a Bears record. And a lot of the other Bears record uh, potential breakers, people like Roquan, people like Eddie Jackson, they've got phenomenal competition to contend with. I think that Mitch's is easiest to break and most likely. Yeah, absolutely. And I was tracking this record all year. And then unfortunately, when Trubisky missed those games, uh, it just wasn't attainable. But you know, he was ahead of pace uh, of Eric Kramer's record year um mm-hmm. for for most of the year and just uh it was 
it's going to happen. Uh, and as long as he plays 16 games, uh, you know, it's going to happen. And you know, as long as he plays 15 games, yeah. it's going to happen. And and he'll also be able to break that touchdown record, I think, too. So uh, those those two are the easy ones. I think the the other ones just to mention or keep an eye on would be, you know, if if Matt comes out and starts racking up some sacks, you know, the team record for sacks mm-hmm. uh, could could be in play. And then long term career uh, touchdowns uh, from from a defensive player. Uh, look for look for Eddie Jackson Ooh, to potentially push that's that. That's a good one. So th- those those are ones that we need to watch over the next couple of years with, from those two outstanding mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. I know one, just to touch back on the Trubisky thing real fast, one thing that's definitely pretty funny to me about that record is how well he had that in hand. Like when you consider that he didn't have a phenomenal year and he was still well ahead of the pace, kind of reminds me of how Jay Cutler, when he was approached and told that, hey, Jay, you just broke the Bears all time passing record. His first words were, that's just sad. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it it was and it still is but yeah. hopefully trubisky's the start of a new uh, of a new era there mm-hmm. so uh the next award that we've got is the off-season move of the year and there's a lot of off-season moves so i'll pass it over to you to tell me what do you think is the off-season move of the year i think it's got to be it's got to come down to two right it's got to come down to the franchise uh changing trade for yep. Khalil Mack and it's got to come down uh, the other half of that is signing uh Matt Nagy to be your head football coach mm-hmm. so for me it's Nagy and I don't say that lightly because I think the Mack trade was brilliant and I think that it's going to pay dividends and the cost is already laughable uh in in hindsight for for what Khalil Mack's going to bring to this club but Nagy changed the culture he, he was able to come in and change a culture that was rather stodgy under John Fox into a group of guys that look like they're playing fast and loose and having a lot of fun doing it. And so I think that this season had to be the most fun that I've ever had watching the Chicago bears. Absolutely. And I, I don't know what more you can say than that. This guy is just a pleasure to, to watch coach the Chicago bears. I totally agree. I picked Nagy as well. The way that I think about it in terms of a metaphor is a lot of people could have traded for Khalil Mack and had the national media view them as a desperate franchise just seeking something that will make them relevant. But no, because we had Nagy, because we had Allen Robinson, because we had Taylor Gabriel, because we had so many players that were hard to say they were bad because we had such an influx of talent, by the time we got Mack... Everybody was ready to light the fuse. They were ready to say, this this team's about to go off. And they did. Uh, and I personally think that a lesser coach, again, makes the Mac trade look desperate. But it was so brilliant purely because we already had Nagy in place. If Mac was the key, then Nagy was the guy who set the dominoes up so that they were all ready to fall. And then they did. And it was so much fun to watch. Well put. Um yeah, that's I, we agree. So I think Nagy gets the award. Uh, he'll mm-hmm. put it right next to his Coach of the Year award. I'm sure he'll like the Bearsker better, but you never know. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, the the next one and the last one that I have to present is the player most likely to break out in 2019. So obviously we have to kind of decide what a breakout means. But for me, mm-hmm. I'm going with the guy's jersey that I'm wearing, Anthony Miller. I know you just did a, a deep dive into Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 
uh, interviewed him last month, and I just think this guy has the right attitude. He's you know going to recover from his shoulder injury in the off season. Hopefully, he's able to hit the ground running uh, when training camp starts. Have a year under his belt. Uh, this guy's ultra competitive and just seems like a perfect fit uh, for this offense. Looked like he had a pretty good rapport going with Trubisky. I. I just like this kid a lot, and I'm really excited to see what he can do in year two. Absolutely. So it's funny. I should probably define my criteria because I can be pretty weird and specific about a lot of these things. But so when I look at a breakout player, I'm looking at somebody who is going to have a certain expectation, and then they're going to rise well above that expectation, like almost double their production. So it's important and worth mentioning that I actually already think Roquan Smith lived up to his expectations, and I don't know if he'll be able to break through them to get to another level, because he's already at a really high level. Bilal Nichols is another person I'll mention who I believe already broke out. If you look at his, if you normalize his snaps, because he got about 30% 30 of the snaps compared to, let's say, Akeem Hicks' 75% of the D-line snaps, he technically produced sacks, TFLs, and tackles at Hicks' level, given his limited snaps. Now, whether that's a gimmick or not, I don't know. I plan on studying him eventually, but I think Miller's the easy choice and yeah. he's the right choice because Miller, Miller's biggest plays, like I mentioned in that breakdown, were plays that Trubisky ended up missing on. Miller very well could have had 11 touchdowns. This is the number I kind of came up with. 10 or 11 touchdowns and about 620 yards and people would have been looking at him and saying, this guy's going to be a star. Instead, he ended up with a still team leading seven touchdowns and 423 yards due to those deep misses. I think Trubisky's going to get better. So Miller is going to get better, not only just because his quarterback's better, but because he'll improve. He is a star in the making. Absolutely. And I do love how they spread the ball around. Um, but I do think that the the overall uh, production of the offense will rise. And so a lot of these numbers mm -hmm. will go up with it. And I think Miller is going to be a big beneficiary of that. One rumination that I'll bring up before we proceed to our final award, which is sort of a gimmick award in and of itself. And we'll get there. I'm very curious to see what happens to Taylor Gabriel in the 2019 offense, because this current offense with Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel is the clear number two and Anthony Miller as the number three that the defense is supposed to forget about before he makes a play. Uh, if Miller rises up like we expect him to, and we do expect him to, and Allen Robinson rises up like we expect him to, because we've already both talked about that. I'm curious what happens to the young speedster. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, do like him a lot. He was actually the guy that I wanted targeted after Robinson, and the fact that we got them both, I was really <laughs> thrilled. They're very different players, but I saw those roles uh, as being uh, filled by each of those guys, and you know, Robinson being the number one, and, and Gabriel being more of a, a top end speed guy. But you know, the way that Miller talks about it, he's saying that everybody's going to learns everything, and so they they're going to move around a lot. And so expect Miller on the outside, expect Gabriel to maybe come in, maybe even see some of that from Robinson. And so you might you might see the roles interchange a lot more than what we saw in the first year, uh, which keeps the defenses guessing a little bit more. And so I, I do think that he is in the long-term plans um, as one of those top three wide receivers. And they gave him a nice contract. Um, I, I still think he's going to be productive. He, he made a lot of big plays this year. And mm -hmm. I, I think that he's just a really good fit for, for this offensive system. He showed really surprising hands. That was probably what I was most impressed with, were the amazing amount of times that Taylor Gabriel would get lit up 
while catching a ball that was still out of his catch radius, generally speaking. Uh, but he'd hang on to the thing and make a big play for the Bears, usually for a first down. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a good guy. I like him. Mm-hmm. So the final award that we have, the final Bearsker, is 15th because it is the least. Most people say last but not least. This probably is. Uh, so b- I've generally given out these end-of-season awards to myself uh, because I only just recently started actually writing. But I've always had a best hair slot that I would give to Jay Cutler. Do we want to pass that on to the next generation? I have a winner, but it's not a strong winner. Well, we, we didn't talk about this much. Like we said, we, we kept our, our nominations blind to each other. And I saw this one, and I was like, okay, I don't know where you're going with this. And I just I wrote down Jay Cutler, even though he's not on the <laughs> team anymore. I just thought, well, that guy's got a great head of hair. I No one else is sticking out to me as being a worthy replacement. So I just wrote him down again. Um, it's definitely not Matt Nagy. So, so nope. who is it that you have in your mind that might be able to replace him? So after not analyzing everybody's hair particularly, I I didn't do a deep dive on this. I ended up giving it to Tariq Cohen because his flat top is consistently flat and it looks very good. He's a he's a very good looking dude. Not to mention, to your exact point, coming into the show, I didn't have anything that I'd been able to mention Cohen for. So I kind of wanted to give him something. What do you think? Well, he does have offensive MVP that we just created. Yeah, I know. And so maybe we take that bearsker and just scratch off best hair and write I in like offensive that. MVP. I like that. Let's just okay. make it offensive MVP, Tariq Cohen. I like it. Perfect. Well, Jeff, thanks for coming on. What are your final impressions? Thanks for hosting with me. Uh, we, we gave out some great awards. I think we had a great discussion. What you got? Well, I think that we're doing some cool things at the site, so make sure that you're checking those out. And then obviously, Robert, in addition to this great podcast that you got going here, uh, The Boss, Lester Wilt Fong Jr. has his mm-hmm. T-Formation conversation, and then EJ, EJ and I will be back as frequently as we can to record more episodes of Bears Over Beers. So check those out and let us know what you think, and we'll keep creating content that works for you guys. Where can they find you on Twitter? At Gridironborn. It's a great handle right there. Born of the Gridiron. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Jeff, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Robert. And there you have it, Bears fans. The 2018 Bearskers Award winners are now official. On an unrelated note, if you have a design for what a Bearsker Award ought to look like, feel free to let me know. I'm already considering sending the 2019 awards to Hallis Hall, but, I mean, hey, we'll get there when we get there. You can find me on Twitter at at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K. S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. Lately, I've been doing a ton of film watching and sharing the thoughts that I find on that. Plus, you can expect a nice thread to go up fairly soon about Danny Trevathan and his impact on this Bears defense, as well as what makes him such a quality player. But like we said earlier, we'll get there when we get there. As always, feel free to take a second and leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to us on. It always helps us know that you like our show or what we could do better or how we're doing and all the little things in between. Thank you so much for listening. Bear down and thanks for bearing with me.